0: Romans chapter 1 verse 18. It's the very first verse of today's reading. Have a look down at it with me. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. Now, that opening statement pretty much sums up what the whole of this morning's passage is about. The wrath of God Is being revealed from heaven against all the wickedness of men. So today's Bible passage is not really a hard one to understand. Today's passage is not one of those bits of the Bible where you've got to sit around scratching your head thinking, you know, what's this actually saying? It's not a tricky passage, it's just not a very popular one. It's because it's about God being angry. Uh, We don't like to think of God being angry. We like to think of God, I don't know, Morgan Freeman in a white suit. Some sort of cosmic grandfather figure out there who, as long as we do our best and we try hard, God will give us a nod and a wink and everything will be okay. But it's not okay. And it is an unavoidable lesson from today's passage that God is angry. He is really angry. And the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. And notice that it says that the wrath of God is being revealed. It does not say that the wrath of God will be revealed. It's actually describing how God feels today. It's actually describing what he's doing in the present. Now, of course, the Bible does also teach of a future day, of great wrath from God, the Apostle Paul knows about that day as well. He's going to refer to that final terrible day of God's judgments next week in chapter 2. But today he's got something else in mind. Today Paul is wanting us to know that, Paul is, that God is so angry with this world that his wrath is already being revealed from heaven this very day as I speak. And the Apostle Paul wants us to know that because it is only when you and I understand the wrath of God, it's only then that we can fully understand something else about God, something else far more comforting. Well, let's see what that might be by firstly thinking of why God's wrath is being revealed because that's how the passage works. After that summary statement in verse 18, Paul immediately goes on to explain why it is that God is so angry. He gives two reasons. The first being, humanity is guilty of suppressing the truth about God. Verse 18 again. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the wickedness, uh, sorry, godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, how do they suppress the truth? Well, we just keep reading. Verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. How is it plain to them? Verse 19 again, because God has made it plain to them. How has God made plain to them? Verse 20 now, for or because since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Now, there's a few becauses and fours scattered through those verses, aren't there? Uh, hopefully you can see the logic of it. It's the logic that just by looking at it, the world, it is intuitively obvious that there is a powerful God behind everything. More than that, God has deliberately created this world to be so amazing that it is obvious that there is a God behind it, which is born out in human history. Atheism. The idea that there is no God at all. That is a relatively very modern phenomena in human history. In every culture, in every period of human history, people have always believed in a God. It's only recently that atheism has popped up. And even now, though, despite the fact there's a few uh, high-profile ones around the place, there's not really many of them. The last Gallup poll... Uh, sorry, uh, showed that one in ten people, only one in ten people in Australia are convinced atheists and we are meant to be one of the most atheistic countries in the world. And even then some of the convinced atheists end up not being so sure after all. Have you ever heard of Anthony Flew? Anthony Flew was a British philosopher who died a couple of years back. Flew was a pioneer in the modern atheist movement. He was an icon, he was a champion of atheists for decades. Rather embarrassingly though, in his later years, Flew said that he changed his mind. He said, quote, there had to be an intelligence behind the complexity of the physical universe. And in his later years, he even went so far as to support the teaching of intelligent design in science in schools. Now, Antony Flew, don't mishear this, he did not become a Christian. Don't misrepresent him. He did not become a Christian. He did not believe in the afterlife whatsoever. So don't get too carried away. But, but you see, here is an icon of atheism. Here is an outspoken, groundbreaking, pioneer atheist who eventually conceded what the Bible had been saying all along. That just by looking out at the world, it is intuitively clear just from how complex and extraordinary this world is, you look at it in the world and it is intuitively clear that there is a powerful being behind it all. And sure, we may not be able to know a lot about God from creation. Creation doesn't show us what God's personality is like. Doesn't, creation doesn't tell us God's name. Creation doesn't tell us God's plans. Creation doesn't tell us God's purposes, and so we may not know a lot about God from creation, but we know enough to be without excuse. Which is the big conclusion that Paul is driving us to. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made, so that men are without excuse. Now friends, what we are reading about in this verse is the difference between ignorance and ignoring. Okay, They sound similar, there's a very big difference between the two. So if you were to walk down the street and walk past someone and didn't say hello to them, they don't say hello to you because they're ignorant of you in the sense that They just don't know you, you don't know them, they don't know you, and so you just pass each other on the street without saying hello. That happens all the time, doesn't it? No biggie. But if someone walks past you who does know you, and you know them, and they ignore you, they're not ignorant about you, they actually just act as if you don't exist. That is a different story altogether. That really hurts, doesn't it? Don't you get annoyed when someone deliberately ignores you? That's what the passage is saying about God. God's power and existence is evident from creation itself. But hey, we don't like the fact that there's a God out there, so we suppress that truth. We're not ignorant of him, we ignore him. And God is angry. And his wrath is being revealed from heaven. And that would be reason enough for God to be angry, but there's a second reason that compounds this whole evil. Because not only do we suppress the truth about God, we also then go on to exchange his glory for something else. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man birds and animals and reptiles. Now, that last verse in particular, you read that verse and you sort of got this mental picture of people bowing down to sort of little statues of animals and birds or or, or whatever. But there's a broader principle at play here as well. It is the point that because we have suppressed the truth about there being a God, we then substitute him with something else to live for. We need something to base our lives around and so... We don't like the idea of there being a God, so we just get rid of that idea and we instead base our lives around something that he creates. Maybe it's the house and garden that can become our God. Maybe it's the career path that can become our God. Maybe it's just crass money that becomes our God. Maybe it's a car that becomes our God. Maybe it's our children that become our God. Maybe it's the family can be lots of things. You pull the plug on God and just about anything else can fill the space. But the bottom line is the same. We focus our lives not on our creator but on stuff he's created. We ignore him and then we replace him. And God is angry. Imagine having a good friend who as a sign of your friendship to them, you buy them a big soft toy. I don't know, maybe one of those great big cuddly teddy bears. How would you feel if your friend then became so preoccupied with the teddy bear that they replaced you in the friendship with the teddy bear? So there's a group of friends going off to the movies. Your friend takes the teddy bear. You don't get an invite. They throw a party. The teddy bear's there. You're not. It's their wedding day. The teddy bear's sitting at the wedding table next to them. You're not even asked to reception. The teddy bear becomes the god child, godparent to their children. You only find out on Facebook that they've had kids. How would you feel about that? It's a, it's a stupid, silly scenario, isn't it? That's effectively what we're doing with God. Deep down, we're aware of a God. Crash and makes that painfully clear. But we suppress that knowledge. Because of God telling us what to do, that can be quite inconvenient. And so we ignore him and we replace him with stuff that he's given us. Verse 24, therefore. And with that therefore, at the beginning of verse 24, Paul now moves from explaining why God's wrath is being revealed to explaining how God's wrath is being revealed. Because remember, this is present tense. He's not talking about a future day of wrath. He's talking about God displaying his anger here and now. How is God doing that? What does God's wrath being revealed look like day to day? Well, the key phrase is that he gives us over to our sin. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them... Over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Look down at verse twenty six. Because of this God gave them over to sinful to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Look at verse twenty four. 28, sorry. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Now, you see the pattern? It's that repeated idea three times that God gives people over to their evil. That the expression of God's wrath, what God's anger looks like day to day, is that he simply gives us over to ourselves. God basically says, you don't want me, you got it. Go off without me. Replace me with whatever you want and see where it gets you. And it gets us into a mess. It gets us into a world that is a mass of sexual depravity and corruption and deceit It gets the world that we read about and listen about every day on the news. A world where one person is murdered every minute of every day. A world where one person dies in armed conflict every 100 seconds. A world where one person commits suicide every 40 seconds. A world where human slave trafficking accounts for three quarters of a million victims every year, half of whom are children. A world where two marriages every minute break up in divorce in America alone. A world where bombs are set off at running races in Boston, and on the same day over 30 bombs go off across in streets and markets in Iraq. This is, a, this is a world where planes full of people are flown into buildings full of people. This is a world where our global financial markets are actually based on, on issues of self-interest and greed. This is a world where the Australian Royal Commission into Child Sexual Abuse is expecting to receive over 5,000 submissions from victims who have been abused by the very people who should have been protecting them. This is a world where 23% of women in Australia who have ever been married or in a de facto relationship, 23% have experienced physical violence from their male partners. This is the world described in verse 28 given over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, invent ways of doing evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, Ruthless. It's actually a bit of an unusual way of thinking about sin in this passage, really. I mean, often we think of, you know, Christians, we think of sexual impurity and envy and murder and greed and stuff like that. We often think of them as the reasons why God is angry with us. But that's not actually what the passage is saying. The passage is saying that sexual impurity and envy and murder and greed and those sort of things, they're not the reasons for the wrath of God. They are the result of the wrath of God. Stuff like the, 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 the Sydney Mardi Gras, which actually celebrates the very sexual impurity that is being talked about in these verses. The Mardi Gras isn't why God is angry With us, that's how he's being angry with us. As he just gives us over to sin. And we have to live with the consequences. As we have to try and pick up the pieces of this living hell that we are creating on earth. Where as a society, we have to pay thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to try and contain all the social problems. And the health problems and the emotional problems that come from sexual immorality and substance abuse and violence and greed and exploitation. And we have to take insurance policies out because we just know that bad stuff's going to happen. And we install security systems on our house and we lock the house as we came here this morning and we lock the car as we walk into the building. And we have to hire security guards so that our kids can have birthday parties in safety. And that's nothing compared to parts of the world where we'd be having to hide our kids at night so that they wouldn't be kidnapped to work in diamond mines or rebel armies. Friends, if this world does not make you sick to the stomach at times, you're just not paying attention. And it is the wrath of God being revealed as he just gives this world over to sin. of a bleak passage this one isn't it why is it here what is the lesson we're meant to be getting out of this well it is because by understanding the wrath of God that we can appreciate something else about God because today's passage very closely is linked to what we discovered last week in the first half of the chapter. That's a little difficult to appreciate because most Bibles make verse 18 the start of a new paragraph. And more often than not, they put a little subheading in italics. Um, my Bible, for example, has got that little heading in italics, God's wrath against mankind inserted there above 18. And it gives the impression that, God, that Paul is starting this big new section. I have, of course, compounded that impression by breaking the sermon series up the way I have. Let me redeem myself by strongly pointing out that this is all seamlessly connected with what we discovered last week. Where last week, in just the previous verse, verse 17, Paul explained that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it reveals the righteousness of God. And that's important because immediately he now points out that the wrath of God, it's being revealed just out there in the world because of sin. And so it's all the more critical that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God so that we don't misunderstand what God is like. So you look around the world and the mess that the world is in and you would be excused for thinking that God is indifferent at best and malicious at worst. That's what lots of people say, isn't it? How can there be a God when all this terrible stuff happens in the world? God wants us to, uh, Paul wants us to see that there is a God. We all intuitively know that. And the reason all this terrible stuff is in the world is that he has given us over to our sin as punishment for ignoring him and replacing him. But he wants us to see that there is far more to God than his anger. There is far more to God than his wrath. There's also his righteousness there's his mercy, there's his love, there's his goodness. And you see that revealed in the gospel. Because what did he also tell us last week in verse 16? The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That as we put our trust in the important news regarding Jesus Christ, God actually saves people from out of his wrath. So do you see how all this is connected with last week? Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. It reveals God's goodness in saving people. And that's important because we're living in a world that is under the wrath of God, experiencing the wrath of God as, we, as I speak. How important, therefore, is this word of the gospel, this news of Jesus Christ? Imagine a person with a brain tumour going to see their doctor. It's a terrible scenario, a person with a brain tumour visiting their doctor for help, but how much more terrible would it be if the doctor then sent them away with a box of Panadol for the the headaches? What good is that? It might ease one symptom for a little while. How is that going to help the real problem? Friends, how do you help the real problem of this world? Is it all about pouring X billion dollars into the Gonski reforms so we can get our education system right? Is it all about voting the right party into government? Is it all about improving security against terrorism? Is it all about fixing up our financial markets? Is it all about eliminating world poverty? Is it all about sinking more wells in Africa? Don't miss, please don't hear me. All of those things have a place, but we've got to open our eyes to the fact that they're just symptoms of a much deeper problem. The problem is humanity suppresses the truth about God. We're not ignorant of Him, we just ignore Him. And then we replace Him, and He is angry. So he gives us over to our sin and we create hell on earth. And in this world where God is revealing his wrath, he also reveals his goodness. It's in the gospel. It's in the news regarding Jesus Christ. It's in the good news that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And what do they say about good news? It is always worth sharing. I'll pray. Father, we thank you again for the good news of Jesus Christ that saves us from your wrath, that even now is being poured out onto this world. Father, we pray that as we try and negotiate all the things that suppress us, and bear down on us in this world as sin runs almost unchecked. Father, we pray that you would fill us with a boldness again and a sensitivity and an urgency to share the gospel, especially with those whom we love and live with. It is in your name and for your honour that we ask this, please. Amen.